I'm Chris, and this is my Writing Table Podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair, and let's begin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Truth in Advertising, Anne-Marie is my publicist, and I'm proud to say that. I usually speak to other authors, but it's fun for me to ask other people that support authors' careers to the writing table. I'd like to talk to you about your main role in an author's life. My main role as a publicist is to get my clients' media exposure. And media these days is sort of a fluid term (laughs) in the book world. Ultimately, your goal is to get clients' media exposure to help them build their readership and at the end of the day to help them build their brand. When you talk about media, to be clear, does all media exposure translate into sales? No, absolutely not. And that is sort of this common myth in the industry that media exposure means great book sales, great product sales, hitting a list, USA Today or New York Times. Certain media certainly does lead to sales, okay? Through the years, it's changed. You know, People Magazine, NPR, being a book of the month pick, being a skim read or an Oprah's book club pick. Sure, we all know great things happen right there, but there's a lot of good media to get and that's how you're building your audience, your readership. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the money is going to be rolling in and the sales are going to be skyrocketing. You're working on exposure. You're working on building your buzz. And that's why the media is important. There's been a lot of discussion about how to make a list and you're talking about media. Does high profile media coverage translate into a book making it on a list? It could. Yes. Yes. It's not like just because you make it in People Magazine, you're no, going to, you're going to make a list. No. The best media coverage possible coupled with you know, good social media strategy from the author, good distribution in bookstores and at airports, um, good marketing and advertising plan. I'm a big fan of authors being out there and communicating with their audiences and showing face and really getting people to understand you and relate to you and love you. So it's all of those things, all of those synergies. That's what's going to put you on a list. The other thing is you may be a smaller author with the potential for that releasing at the same time as a great big author. So you need to sort of understand who else is releasing at the same time you are. I had one big client in the UK who was releasing the same day as a Harry Potter book was coming out. And she was such a big deal in the UK, but you're going up against the biggest of the big. So they had to move her release date. This stuff happens. Author comes to you and they have a solid book. They mm-hmm. are traditionally published. They have a pretty decent platform. That What are the basic things that you're going to do for them? I want to get their book in front of the media. That is at the very basic level of PR is that I am getting their book in front of media in a timely fashion. So I want to start promoting a book five to six months in advance if I can. I want to repeatedly with different subject lines, with different introductions, pitch that book. And I want to 
present opportunities for the media to look at that book in a different light. It's not just about, please review my client's book. It's about, hey, these are the best historical fiction books coming out in spring 2022, and you need to look at them now. It's being able to pivot quickly and jump in on a story angle that you see a client's book fitting into. So that's at the very basic level. But part of that sort of basic PR is saying, here are the book media I need to go to. Here's my client's local market media that I need to just fully penetrate. And let's look at the backstory. Let's look at where the book takes place. What region does it take place in? Is there a special story angle to come out of the book that we need to try and exploit? But also a lot of my clients have really unique stories and unique backgrounds themselves. How can I use that to get them press coverage? The other thing that I'm a really big fan of, and because Lori, my social media director and I, we started very early is Bookstagram. We found that Instagram was this sweet, pretty place for books. People weren't arguing. There was a pretty picture And, you know, we've always thought books were like the greatest thing. Let's go book shopping. Let's look at my book collection. Look at my beautiful shelves. And it was all that on Instagram. Book bloggers, like they are just some of the loveliest, most loyal people out there. And we have really built beautiful relationships with bookstagrammers. I think they're here to stay. I think there are a lot of them, and I think these algorithms make things more complicated for everyone who wants to just do a good thing, and that's talk about what they're reading and the authors they love. That's energy that I love to harness. I love to see my clients have those little spotlights. And they're nice because they are regionalized. A lot of times those photos have the flavor of your book. Yeah. That's really fun. So how do you feel about TikTok? I think it's so much fun. I will have to admit, I am probably at the age where how to use it is not so intuitive to me as sort of a Gen X person. My love of animals is real. And so I love TikTok for that purpose. In the book world, we have some clients who are doing really phenomenal things on TikTok. You have someone like, say, L. Kennedy, who has this incredible base of readers and supporters for her romance and new adult books. I think there's a lot of value in that. My issue is the New York Times front page sometime maybe in the spring came out with like, TikTok is the only social media platform to lead to sales. And Barnes and Nobles has a special table, books featured on TikTok. Well, all of that may be true. It's not going to work for every book. Sunday morning, I'm reading my New York Times with my cup of coffee because I still do that. I still get my New York Times delivered to me. By the afternoon, I had three email messages with how are you getting me on TikTok? And is my book right for TikTok? We have been doing outreach to book talkers for some time already. It is not exactly the same as reaching out to bookstagrammers who are a little older. They have dealt with my kind, with the PR and marketing folk for very many years already. They understand how this all works. They know about our deadlines. They know about pub dates. So we found that it's a little bit more of the wild, wild west on TikTok in terms of outreach. Having that coverage or that exposure when we need it But that's the other thing about TikTok. The exposure doesn't necessarily need to happen when you need it. It could happen later and then you realize the effect it has. 
So I would like to dedicate more time to TikTok. I would say that it's harder to find the right team and the right authors to make that work. I can see how YA, middle grade, new, new adult, or new whatever, adult if, it, if it still yeah. exists, nobody knows whether it does or not. I can see how those might enjoy a bump from TikTok. Mm-hmm. I look at like my books and I go, okay, well, my target audience is what, late 30s to 80. Yeah. And I don't see a whole lot of those folks on TikTok. So, you know, yeah, it's fun, but is it worth my time? Well, that's the thing. I'm a firm believer that you have to enjoy what you're doing. Look, a great majority of authors are introverts. This marketing stuff, it actually pains them. (laughs) Like I know how hard it is for them. And so some authors who've been doing this for very many years know they know they understand the self-care. They understand how to get their wardrobe together for book tour. They know all of this. They know to put themselves to bed after they have a big launch event. In terms of social media, I'm a firm believer that like you don't have to be everywhere all the time. And you have to pick the platform that speaks to you. I have a lot of clients right now who just don't want anything to do with Facebook and its parent company. But Facebook was the first in terms of, well, maybe Twitter was that maybe MySpace was the first then Twitter, but Facebook has been very important to the book community and it's not going anywhere. And I'm 45. I like TikTok for my dogs, but my friends, my clients, they're all still on Facebook talking every day. All the millennial moms, they're on Facebook still. So it is still powerful to the book community. And I think we need to pay attention to it. It's important for authors to enjoy what they're doing when they're practicing social media. And if it's TikTok, go for it by all means. You mentioned book tour. What does a book tour look like today? That's a good question. It is changing now as we speak. For example, you know, a client who's launching next week just told me that her launch bookstore event just went virtual. You're seeing virtual events at bookstores again, not as many in person. We're not seeing virtual events necessarily translate into book sales. You are also seeing part of someone's tour Instagram live chats, Facebook live chats, Facebook takeovers with groups, panels that, you know, maybe I've put together to feature subject matter, something like that. So in a lot of ways, the tours now in our pandemic world are about really good content. You know, we've sort of Netflixed the book community in a way. It's not the same. I love to hear my clients speak. While I can still hear them speak, it's a little bit different. And you could tell some clients are very honest and they say, I don't do well virtually. This Zoom stuff, I'm not cut out for it. And I very much get that because you see the change in them when they're live in front of somebody. So there are bookstores doing very good virtual events. I don't know if they're translating into sales. And so you'll see some books that are being marketed heavily by their publishers and the authors have done book signings in store for very many years. You'll see them have robust virtual events, but I think it's also the case of how comfortable authors are feeling right now going in person. Some are still doing like small personal launches, things like that. 
before I published, I heard how even when you get traditionally published, that doesn't mean that your book is going to be promoted the same way as another book in that same house. It puts an onus on the author. And sometimes that happens by surprise. How does an author know how much promotion they need to do on their own? I would say it's important for every author to have a marketing budget in mind. Even if your publisher is rolling out the red carpet for you in terms of advertising and full staff support between PR and marketing, and say you have social media advertising as well, you could have print advertising, whatever it may be, still allocate a portion, a budget that you're comfortable with to marketing. There's a hole somewhere. And if you know that there are more books in you and you're going to continue to publish, you're going to have to throw spaghetti sometimes and see what works. And it doesn't mean that it's going to work for every book you publish, but you want to get a feel of how it could work for you. Look, it's up to you what you want your budget to be. It could be $1,000 or it could be $100,000. We've had clients with all of those budgets. And There's something that you could do even with $1,000. There are smart marketing decisions you can make with that. Don't think that your publisher is going to do everything for you. In fact, go in with the thought of, I may have to handle some of my own marketing and I'm prepared to do so. There's so much knowledge out there right now between, you know, really good blogs and websites with content about being career authors and writers. There's there's Writer Unboxed, which I write for. There's Career Authors, which is run by several big authors. But then you have your Writer's Digest, your Poets and Writers. And then there are the Facebook groups, the wonderful, wonderful Facebook groups. There are places to go to get intelligence about the publishing industry. Use them. And... I got to tell you, writers are always, I mean, you know this, writers are always looking to share information. Years ago, Alison Winscott had this blog that had great information about the publishing industry. I know Rhea Fry, she has a podcast called Right Way. She's also a client of mine. Her podcast is so enjoyable to listen to like yours. Go to these places, research. You've researched for your novel, for your nonfiction book. Now research on marketing your book. Say you're writing a book about butterflies. Do they use publicists? They use publicists all the time. Right now on my desk, I'm looking at The Everyday Leader. I love this book. I love leadership books. It's called 14 Marine Corps Traits to Unlock Your Leadership DNA. So I will tell you that Hema Crockett, my client, her husband, Michael, they released two books last year. So Hema wrote a book with her business partner, Jamie Jacobs, about designing exceptional organizational cultures because they are human resources professionals. We've promoted all of those books and their business in tandem. We're still doing it to this day. One good story is very many years ago, I had a client who had a little reusable mat bat. And we may have been walking around with our little totes and everything, but nobody had coined the term of reusable bag, of an eco bag that you brought to the market with you every single day. 
I was working for an agency. I was hired as a freelancer. I was like all of 29 years old. I had left my agency and gone solo and started my business. And the client said to me, I would like to be on Oprah. I didn't find this out until very many years later that she had never actually even watched Oprah. Her sister told her, sister is a great marketing mind. Her sister said, you, you, you really want to be on Oprah. You know, I thought about in this little bag, cute, great, durable, but how are we going to get that at Oprah? So lo and behold, we get a call from Oprah saying that they would like this bag for their inaugural Earth Day show. I guess this was what, 2006, around there? We ship a bunch of the bags over there for the audience. We have all the messaging. We tell the client to prepare her website. Of course, the website crashes. This is 2006. Yeah. Within a few short months, I mean, she went from like, say a $500,000 business to like a million plus. So we have stayed in touch since 2006 and I've represented her on and off with various new bags to the market, things like that. So I think three years ago, she came to me, she finally wrote a book. She's been running this business for so long, had the Oprah effect, went through the recession with a bag company and private labeled this bag for major, major design houses, everything else. So she had a book called The Magic of Tiny Business. And we promoted the hell out of that book. To this day, though, we're still getting that bag in the marketplace. And I'm not doing as much sort of product PR as I used to in my younger years. But there was something so fulfilling career-wise about seeing that client now be this thought leader about female business ownership. It was a beautiful thing. Did the book do well? Yeah, the book did well. Yeah. Well, that is fun. When a person cold calls you and wants you to consider them, what is it that you factor in before you make a decision about whether or not you're going to take that client? Right now, I would say it's pub date because I'm booking farther out. I want to know that I can sell the book. I need to feel this personal energy that like, I can make this work. I can bring this client to the next level in their career. It doesn't have to be this big shining star level, but that I can do this well for them. It doesn't always work that way, how I envision it to be. There are so many hiccups in the road and I don't like hiccups, but I know enough at this point in my career, you roll with those punches. Yeah. At the end of the day, I need to know that I can safely market this book for that person. And I really enjoy people. (laughs) So I have great relationships with my clients. So I want to know that that's going to continue. And I'm going to hear about their kid, their babies and their grandbabies. Even if they hire someone else, I want to know that that relationship is there. But is a no-go red flag deal killer? Sometimes the goals seem more than I'm going to be able to get. And I don't believe in making promises in this industry. And it's not safe. It's not wise. It's not okay. I really just want to hire you because I want Reese and I want NPR and I want people. And I don't really want you to focus on anything else. I'm always very honest in saying then I'm not the right person for you because you're not going to be satisfied with the results at the end of the day. And normally that will invite people to say, okay, then what should I be asking you for? Because then it seems to make them question what they've just asked me. So that's a red flag. Putting on the other shoe, 
if you were an author and you're considering a publicist, what would be something that would be a red flag for that author to run if oh, a to run the publicist this? I suppose any publicist that guarantees results is not safe because even what we found as of late, as of the last couple of years is, and not just COVID years, I'm, I'm talking just the way the media, the staffs have just downsized at dailies, at magazines, and you have dot coms with staffs that are not in offices, that are working from home, they're consultants, they're freelance writers. It's not the same. It's not the same. Those contacts have so much work that they may not be able to throw you this bone and slip your client into something that they're working on. That's one of the reasons why you can't ever make promises, but like everything has to work in the right way. We, we, we can't guarantee press coverage, period, end of story, ever. Barring another pandemic. Yeah. What are some trends you're seeing? Authors are really working to, to make their own media, uh, which is an amazing thing. And perhaps even almost slightly problematic too. When you say own their own media, can you give us a little example of what they're that not is? starting these major like media companies? You know, it's not like the next BuzzFeed, something like that, but they're working to create significant space and to build significant content on the places that readers are. Okay. So you'll see, you know, these robust Facebook groups. You'll see Instagram lives. So take, for example, you have Friends in Fiction. You have A Mighty Blaze. There's a new Facebook group, which I quite enjoy. It's called Jews Love to Read. (laughs) You know, there's such brilliance in all of this. It's just great fun. And it's really feeding into the sort of the content machine. So we're all between the marketers at the publishing houses and the publicists and then the outside publicists and the authors themselves, we're all inundating these folks with pitches and they're booking very far out. And for example, a very good friend of mine, she runs a great big Facebook group. She said within like, you know, the weekend alone, she had 40 pitches from a Saturday and Sunday for my kind. That's a lot for someone who's just having fun running her Facebook group and thinks authors are like the bee's knees, you know, and she wants to do right by it all, but it's a lot. A lot of people, you know, have full-time jobs as well, and they didn't have the expectation that it was going to be so big. What are some exciting projects you're working on now? Oh, gosh, so many exciting things. This month is great. Like January is great because I have complete polar opposites. I have Jill Shalvis. I think you've spoken to her before. When I think of her, I think of like a big ball of sunshine. She's just happy, lovely. And she's got these gorgeous girls and these gorgeous grandbabies and she released the first book and a new series uh, called The Family That We Make. And she's just lovely. And then next week I have Kara Ruta, who is in all honesty, one of my favorite domestic suspense writers. And she's just great fun. And she's a sweetheart. She just always makes me laugh. And then she writes this seriously dark stuff, but somebody's home is different from her other stuff. It's darker. I'm excited for readers to have it in their hands. They will finish this book in like a hot minute. Like fill up your glass of wine and you're going to be done with this book. I have a nice, diverse group of clientele. 
and a couple of debut male novelists. It's very exciting. Everybody is just so much fun. I've got Cozies, Mia Manansala is coming out. I've got Southern Gothic, Robert Gwaltney. We might have spoken to him. For weeks, I think. He's so sweet and people are really enjoying his book. I'm so happy about that. Good stuff. Good stuff coming down the pipeline. I love work. If you weren't doing this, what would you do? Okay, so three things. So I live in the city, right? So like laundromats are all over the place. I thought like, shouldn't we make a really cool laundromat that had big open windows, a coffee bar and a magazine stand? So you can read your people, you can have your oat milk latte and you can do your laundry at the same time. The other thing is I would like to like work with orangutans and I think your daughter might appreciate that. (laughs) The last thing, have a bookstore. I want a bookstore, but I love magazines. Like I love media. So I'd really want the bookstore to have like magazines, like going to the airport and you're at Hudson News and you see all those magazines with coffee because you always need coffee and like comfortable places to sit. I'm fortunate. I have a great bookshop in my community, Astoria Bookshop, and they are wonderful. That's what I would do if I wasn't doing PR. Well, I don't want you to not do PR, but I can see how cool it would be if you combine all three of those things. All three <laughs> the pet arrangement. You got your coffee, you got your books, do your laundry. <laughs> thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.